I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have a really exciting episode. I hope you guys spent the weekend binging Cowboy Bebop and you got a taste if you weren't already aware of this incredible talent, Alex Hassel. Man, I mean, he is just so good. He's got Macbeth coming out later this year with Francis and Denzel. And uh, man, I, I, I'm so grateful that he came on and he really spoke about the journey and starting his own theater company and, you know, making things happen when nothing was happening. And uh, that's been a reoccurring theme lately. And I think we all need to hear it. And Alex is going to go so far. He is such a fucking talent. I mean, this dude is just out of this world. And I am so grateful to you, Alex. I love you, man. Thank you for your service. It means a lot. And uh, I love you, brother. Alex Hassel, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, brother? I'm very, very well. Thanks. I'm very pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's such a pleasure to have you on. You are an outstanding actor man like two wow. down two down is is you're so good in that movie man like in oh, Bru- thank you in bruges is one of my all-time favorite movies and i didn't really think with like the dramedy hitman thing anything could ever touch that but but two down is is so great man you were oh, well, so rock and roll on that say, that's um actually we made that my so my wife is in that she plays rona in that the very kind of raggy scottish no uh, way and the one, the one who's that, with the brother, right? Uh, the one who, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, Tori, who uh, plays the lead um, Sophia, woman. Sophia, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Her and Matt, who directed it, they're a husband and wife writing, producing, directing duo, Fizz and Ginger Films, and they're two of Emma and I's best friends. So it's really, really, really lovely that you saw that film and liked that film. Oh, it's fucking brilliant, man. I'm very I, proud I, of it. I, was, I, I loved it. You're so good in that. It was like, oh, that's very sweet. I, I, I wanted so much more of that guy, you know? I love playing that character. We had about 
I, I think we had two weeks to film the whole thing. And no way. Some days we, some days we would do 14 pages of dialogue a day. Wow. <laughs> Cracked through it. It was That's really incredible. Good Dude, yeah, we were, it was a big kind of group of mates doing it together. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, I'm so pleased that you saw it and liked it. Oh man, I adore it, man. I, I, I'm so I, I want everyone right now to to check it out. You can get it on Amazon. It's not yeah. on on uh, Apple, but it is an incredible film, and you rocked it, dude. And oh, dude, you, man, man you, you you know I I say this often, and I apologize for my listeners who have to hear me say it over and over again. But the separation between good acting and great acting is, uh, you know, good actors can do personalities, and great actors, you know, no other actor could play that role, you know, in the way that. Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood or Heath Ledger or Joaquin and, and both of their Jokers. And you are one of those actors, man. You uh, Rufus Sewell is a friend and did the show. And you remind me so much of Rufus, man. You're, yeah, you're so, so amazingly talented, man. Your range is insane. And, oh, and that's very, very kind of you to say. This is a lovely, lovely <laughs> I mean that's every so word funny. of it, man. I'm, I'm so fu- I'm an actor. I'm so fucking jealous of your talent, dude. I mean, oh, you are well, thank you. out of this I, um, world. It's a great pleasure to get to try and play different kinds of people. You know, I I also not to not to sort of shit on personality actors. I think that's an amazing skill, and it'd be really interesting to sort of try and reveal yourself and like you know, yeah. kind of uh that that's a, a whole skill that i think is absolutely amazing that you're letting an audience really into you and they're they're sort of really paying into the person that you are I, you know i think that's a really difficult thing to do um but not something i particularly had the opportunity to do yet but yeah i like to play different kinds of parts yeah and it's, yeah. it's nice to try and get into a different kind of headspace yeah man you're incredible and, and dude your classical work i mean i have so much love for shakespeare you know and and i think that's you know, people always wonder in America, you know, American actors like, oh, the Brits come here and they take all our work. It's because you guys are are vastly better trained. And, you know, one of the things that I think in Shakespeare, you guys start studying, I think, from a young age, would you say, right? You know, uh, well, you do, we, we do it at school and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we don't really get that. And, and, yeah. and, and sorry, I'll, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, basically what I'm just trying to say is in, in Shakespeare, there's no small choice. And right. and that is why you're, I mean, or one of the reasons why you're so good, man. Well, I'd say that something about British actors that I think it might be the training, but I also think it's potentially more to do with the difference between growing up and your ideas of acting and your training and like your life as an actor being theatre-based um, as opposed to being on camera in that you can fail much more easily and more frequently on stage because usually you start out doing you know small jobs small parts not massive audiences um and you know it's not on camera it's not on screen forever it's not on a screener or whatever forever so you can take more risks and you can kind of be under the radar for longer kind of honing your craft so I don't think it's about a difference in talent at all I think it I mean, or, or training, because I think maybe a lot of American training also is is really geared towards working on camera, which is a skill that a lot of British actors come to kind of later on. That's certainly been the case in 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 my career. Interesting. Well, before we dig into to all that, man, let's start from the very beginning. Where where did yeah. you grow up? 
In Essex, um, well, I was born in Southend, but I mainly grew up in Chelmsford and in a little village called Rowhedge, um, just outside of Colchester. Uh, yeah, and I went to see, a, I had no idea about wanting to be an actor. You know, I was in school plays a bit. Yeah. But, you know, are you, are your parents artists or no? No, no. My dad was wow. a vicar and my mum was a, a hospice nurse. Um, wow. So no direct. I had a godfather, I have a godfather who... Um, uh, lives in Canada who was an actor but he wasn't like a big part of my life growing up so I think yeah. I, I think essentially I came into it because I'm the youngest of um four kids and my brothers and sisters are a lot older than me and and sort of they'd taken up a certain number of the kind of roles if you know what I mean in terms yeah. of the kind of people they're gonna be so showing off was sort of the only thing that was left to me to really put my stamp on <laughs> so I made a kind of career choice of showing off i suppose um i i, I get it man it, we, yeah. i'm curious what was the first uh you know creative connection was it was it literature was it plays was it movies like what was your first experience i've always loved films i've always really really loved films you know i had a deep love of uh princess bride ferris Bueller's day off stand by me field of dreams um that you know those kind of films when I was young Major League I absolutely yeah. loved Charlie Sheen in that film me too um, I would actually watch that and I'd like dress in full baseball gear and then st- st- oh so I know what watch. you did for Halloween <laughs> rewind it to the beginning and watch it again yeah. um, so there was something about that that I loved you know that was before getting into acting or theatre we didn't particularly go to the theatre you know as a family um, and I to be honest don't particularly go to the theatre now which is a sort of heretical thing to say yeah. but I watch a lot of uh, films and a lot of TV so I guess that first I didn't really read much until school and after school and now I read a lot um, and then basically I went to see a, a musical called The Rock Nativity, which was written by the guys that did the theme tune to Neighbours, which is a, a massive American soap. Um, and what, what age are we talking here? Twelve. Twelve, uh, okay. Yeah, and um, just something kind of clicked. Uh, I think it was seeing them all up there. They were, it was a young, you know, like a youth production um yeah. i guess just seeing people my age having a really really good time being part of something you know dressing up and having fun i just instantly wanted to do that um so came out and like you know that evening or the next day or whatever looked in the local paper for a local company that you know doing auditions wow. or whatever and they were um were you musical already did you do you play or did you have any kind no, of no i don't play but that's a good question if I thought I could sing at the time, I guess I thought I could sing at the time. Um, and auditioned anyway for Bugsy Malone, which was also one of my favorite films. I would again, dress up as Bugsy Malone and walk around my village yeah. and got the part of Bugsy Malone, um, kind of out of nowhere. And in, uh, in a play or a musical? In a musical of Bugsy wow. Malone, wow. Yeah, with splurge guns, you know, all that stuff. Um, and had such a brilliant time. And actually I, one thing I remember really distinctly about that is that the actress playing Blousey Brown, Holly her name was, had a quick costume change and, you know, was late on stage by, I don't know, it seven feet, felt like forever, but I don't know, a minute or 30 seconds or something like that, probably only like 30 seconds. Yeah. And I was alone on stage and just sort of went, oh, what do I do? And improvised a line, you know, um, about her being late. And the audience, you know, laughed. And I think that sort of, power of like oh wow I 
was put in a situation I didn't know how to get out of. I did something and they laughed and responded and I didn't collapse and I, you know, and, and I sort of thrived. I think that as much as anything else was the thing that I got addicted to the idea of kind of um, that not knowing the kind of the, the liveness and the fact that it can all go wrong or, you know, at any minute. Which is, which is why we love theater, you know, it, it, it often so. does go wrong, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, uh, you know, yeah. when we were, I'm sort of jumping all over the place, but when we were thinking of starting a theater company, my theater company, one of the things we talked about a lot is that when you go and see a production, if someone like falls over or that like their chair breaks or they forget a line or someone giggles or something, the audience immediately bursts into applause. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like the, the, that's like the best bit of the entire, that will be what everyone is talking about. Yeah. And that, it's like, well, could we make shows that were like a hundred percent those moments? Yeah. To anything else. They're like an immersive. I love that. That's so rad, man. We'll yeah. definitely have to talk about that company, but I'm curious, you know, when your parents, because I, I assume they saw you in, in Bugsy. Were they receptive to the idea of you performing? They were extremely supportive, yeah. They were really, wow. really supportive from the word go, yeah. I mean, they would drive me, you know, I would we would I would just do musical after musical after musical, you know, and acting lessons and dancing lessons and singing lessons, you know, three, four, five nights a week, you know, over every weekend. Wow. Outside, would, outside of school. Outside of school wow. and then in school as well. And they would drive me all over the place <laughs> to all over Essex. Oh, man. And, uh, the and, the hassles know, had, had it in for you, man. That's great. I yeah, love that. Yeah, no, it was really, they were, uh, yeah, were always incredibly supportive, yeah. That's beautiful. And, uh, you know, I'm. it's so different, you know, because in America, you know, we we don't have, I mean, we have Juilliard and I went to NYU and, and there's, you know, a few others that you could throw in there for drama schools. But, I mean, you know, you guys have the, most prestigious, you know, drama schools in the world. And and while you're doing these things, is your, is your head already in the future there? Are you kind of planning for that or? or uh, you just- yeah. Yes. And I would say that's good and bad. I'm not saying that's the fault of drama schools necessarily, but I think inevitably, you know, I went to drama school to leave drama school. Do you know what I mean? I went of to course, leave yeah. drama school and be an actor, uh, hopefully. And, um, I learned an absolute ton. It was amazing to suddenly act every minute of the day with people that were, you know, as good and much better than me. That was, yeah. you know, usually when you come to drama school, you you might be sort of, you know. Cocky of, is the good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah well, one <laughs> your, like little pond, you know, yeah, and then yeah. suddenly everyone's like, oh my God. So that was brilliant. And I, it made me work really, really hard. But I think I, I think everyone, you know, you've got to be hopeful and people come to drama school, you know, actors that are out in the business come and say it's really, really difficult. And I remember just sort of going, well, that won't be me that, you know, that won't be me. I'll be one of those lucky ones that sort of immediately, you know, ascends to the heights. So I was definitely hopeful and, 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 and maybe overconfident. I'm not an arrogant person, so I would like to think I wasn't arrogant, but I definitely kind of thought it was going to be one thing and then it, and then it wasn't. Um, And it has been a much slower growth of work and process, uh, you know, a much harder um, graft than I maybe had anticipated, which I'm very thankful for actually in the long run. I think it would have really fucked me up if I'd have got um, very successful very quickly. 
Um, at least this is what I tell myself to deal with the fact that it doesn't happen. <laughs> hey, I got a podcast. I'm struggling. So, hey, man, you know, I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> but uh, that's so great, man. I mean, I'm, I'm so curious because Central is obviously one of the best in the world. Did you do the Lambda, the Rada, the Old Vic? Or did you have for Rada and Lambda and Central and didn't get into any of them except Central? Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I, I guess I was arrogant. I just thought they're the ones I wanted. No, Guildhall, sorry. Guildhall. Guildhall, Rada. yeah, yeah. Guildhall, yeah. Rada and, um, and Central. Uh, I, I, they were just the ones I sort of wanted to go to and thought I'd. I guess I thought I would get into one of them. Um, and and you did? Enough, I did, yeah. 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 And how was that experience, you know? Because uh, Central's really literally in London, right? So you're moving yeah, to Swiss London. Cottage. Yeah, so moving yeah. to London, yeah. yeah. So I've been coming to London every weekend for about two or maybe more years of my late teens to go to the Junior Guildhall. Um, and oh, do, you did the summer program? or did like every weekend. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I worked on a lot of classical theatre then and, and and contemporary stuff too, but really got into um, Shakespeare then a bit too. And, and again, the actors were just so much better than me. Um, and uh, and it was really serious, proper work. And that was really exciting. Anyway, so coming to London was something I was absolutely desperate to do. I didn't feel very at home or comfortable in Essex. I always felt like a bit of an outsider. So getting to you know the big smoke, as it were, was really exciting. Um, and actually the first night we moved into me and, um, you know, one of the guys that I didn't know that I was going to be living with, we, we turned up and went, well, let's go to the theater. So it's our first night. Let's go to the theater. What's on? I don't know. Let's go to the Barbican. And we ended up seeing Catherine Hunter, who I've previously worked with, um, sorry, since worked with, uh, in scenes from an execution by Howard Barker. Wow. And it was so brilliant. And she was so brilliant (laughs) that it was this excellent sort of galvanizing experience to have on the first night of coming to London about like, like let's try and yeah. you know, get anywhere near being that good. Um, but yeah, I loved Central. Um, it's three or four year program. Three years, that's three right. Years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's changed a great deal now, um, but at the time we did a ton of animal studies and like solo dance stuff, loads and loads of physical work, like neutral mask and lab and loads of voice work, which I'm extremely grateful for. My voice as much as I sang and could sing um, and, and did shows for the National Youth Music Theatre and stuff, my I would just lose my voice often if I was shouting or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was not, it didn't sit well in my my body and my posture and stuff. So I had to work really, really, really hard to make sure that that, you know, I rectified that by the time I came out of drama school. And I'm very thankful for that. And then just the really, really detailed work on script. I think for me, it's just taking it really seriously, taking acting really, really seriously and um, getting into the minutiae and being pushed and being told you're not doing that well enough. You're not yeah. good enough. And these are your tricks. And this is, um, it made you really, ha- well, for me anyway, made me really have to look at myself as a person too. Like what are the things about me that are getting in the way of truthful acting or that are making me repeat the same sorts of choices or tactics if you know what I mean um so it made you question certain aspects of your personality too which was really useful but complex you know I think you naturally do that at that age anyway but um and then just got to work on yeah Shakespeare and and Chekhov and in fact did another musical and and intentionally be casting parts that were out of my comfort zone and out of my current ability and 
um, and be given the opportunity to fail. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Wow, so you really enjoyed it and savored it. I loved it, sounds it yeah. Like that's incredible. I loved it. You know, I definitely, I definitely have... I definitely think there are things that can be complicated about drama schools. And I think, you know, um, it's important for students to be aware of. One thing for me was that there seemed that naturally a hierarchy seems to develop and potentially that, you know, can be because of favoritism of of, um, professor, student. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, and that's natural, but the mistake I think a lot of people made is to believe that that was hierarchy or a hierarchy that would be representational of life outside of drama school and that is just absolutely not the case some of the people that you know were being told and I think made to believe and felt like they were absolutely gonna kind of never stop working I've have had a very very rough time and then a couple of people in my year one in particular who was almost kicked out who you know they didn't sort of believe in I guess or didn't yeah. see his potential is doing incredibly well in America and, you know, uh, has probably... I'll have to hear who that is off air. (laughs) 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 That's awesome, man. I'm so glad to hear that. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously you were doing musicals, but, you know, obviously having that first night at school, seeing a play, you know, did you really, you know, because I I know drama school is so intense, you don't get a lot of free time. Were you seeing much on the West End or... You know, at, at well, you know, the money. I mean, the West End's so expensive. You yeah. know, the trouble, the trouble as a student is that you've got no money. Um, but yeah, well, I, I mean, did we? I can't. Yes, some stuff, and it would often be more kind of um, the edgier, sort of cheaper stuff. Yeah, but like you know, Battersea Art Centre and Punch Drunk and um, oh, Punch Drunk's the best. Yeah, that yeah. that kind of stuff, I guess. But um, but mainly we were working really really hard and then partying really really hard you know which I also think is important as a young person I think yeah. it's I think as an actor too you've got to have life experience you know 100%. I think it's really I you know I work very very hard and it's important I'm realizing as I get older and the sort of work I'm doing now to be fit and you know um to be healthy and yeah. that kind of stuff but I think making sure that you have experiences that are outside of the acting industry and world is also important. I fully agree. I'm coming up on five years sober. So I, I my 20s were experiences, to say the yeah. least. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's uh, that's awesome, man. And, and, and at that time, did they tell you that you had a showcase at the end, that this whole thing was building up to that moment. Yeah. So we basically kind of knew, you know, yeah, that, you know, at the end of, in the third year, you'd do three shows and, you know, hopefully agents and casting directors would come to those shows and then you do two showcases and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was very much geared towards that. I was very, very lucky in that because I was with the national youth music theater before drama school, I actually, met Dallas um, Smith at what was PFD, which is now United, um, just before going to drama school. And he's, wow. he um, uh, introduced me to my first agent who sort of informally, but kind of properly took me on while I was at drama school, basically. Um, oh, wow. So uh, that was a real kind of bit of security for me and I got to do little bits of work in the summer holidays and stuff like that. Oh, so you were auditioning in the summers? A little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Um, but they were super behind me going to drama school and I, you know, I really wanted to go to drama school and my, I've always just wanted to get and be as good as I can be. I sort of my, I guess 
the only thing is so you have no control as an actor over almost anything in your life. The one thing that I felt I could attempt to control was if I worked really, really hard and did helpful work as opposed to, you know, work that isn't helpful. I could try and keep getting as good as I could possibly get. And then hopefully, you know, be as ready as I could be for the opportunities that I was given. So Anyway, I went to drama school and... Um, well, you've done it, let me tell you, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's very yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. But yeah, we did all those showcases and stuff. And, um, you know, that's a tense time when suddenly you, uh, in your third year, everyone starts to look at each other as potential competition. And totally. like, you know, all of that stuff. And that's definitely something you have to deal with and, you know, often continue to deal with as an actor is how your friends are doing, how they feel about how they're doing, how they feel about your doing, how you yeah. feel about how they're doing. You know, that's... It's not uncomplicated. And and going back to what you said, and I'm really glad you said it, because every honest actor in the world will tell you they see their career happening one way. And for, you know, 99.999% people, it goes another way, you know? Yeah. So for you, you know, when you're about to graduate, you probably have this idea of what you hope will happen. And where, what were you hoping for? Did you want to do theater? Did you want to do film and TV? Did, yeah. was America on your mind? Like, where was your head at? Yeah, I actually realized you saying that, that I have a quite a specific memory. So I was very lucky enough to get an audition. I think it was on my last day of drama school. I think I kind of left straight after like the last day and then went back to the bar after I auditioned for Anthony Minghella for uh, Cold Mountain, a tiny... Little pine yeah, Mountain. Jude Law, yeah. And I'm up, from Virginia. They filmed it there. Oh, are you really? Yeah, yeah. 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 Richmond. Up, um, yeah. I ended up getting that part. And um and that was a whole other experience, a very overwhelming experience. Um, but essentially, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't know, Confederate orderly number nine. Yeah. <laughs> As we but do. Had, yeah. <laughs> and I was very, very, very excited to be potentially too excited to be uh, uh Confederate orderly number nine. But in my mind, I was like, you know, by the time the film comes out, I'm going to be invited to the premiere because I'm like already like the doing it, some yeah. other stuff, whatever. Yeah. And did I fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get invited to the premiere. I wasn't the lead in anything. Like, you know, I think I don't know if I did any other work after that for ages. But um, yeah, so I, I guess theatre had always been part of yeah yeah I guess I wanted to do all of it I think I wanted to do all of it um and I sort of continue to want to do all of it I guess um I you know I had dreams of being a huge movie star and of course. earning you're going to be yeah I promise well, that that's coming yeah very sweet of you yeah um just remember me and bring me for a role when you when it happens sure. okay. <laughs> I promise I um yeah uh yeah, I, yeah. I guess I've always, I've always wanted to do all of it, and then for a long time was very, very, very lucky that I, you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge and be very, very grateful for any opportunities that you get and any work that you get. You know, I am very, very grateful for the opportunities I've had, um, but of course, one wants more opportunities. You know, that uh, that would be a lie to pretend otherwise, um, or continued opportunities. You know. Well, that's um, the, the problem for being an actor is it's the never ending moving goalpost. It's, you know, if I could just be auditioning, I'll be okay. And then you audition and it's like, if I could just book something, I'll yeah. be okay. And then you book yeah. something and it's like, 
well, if I could just be the lead, I'll be okay. Yeah. And it just keeps going. And yeah, going. Well, I, was, yeah. I, I was actually just, I listened to tons of podcasts. I was just hearing this thing called the hedonic ladder, which is that you essentially get used to the new good situation that you're in. So if you think like, if I just had this amount of money, I'd feel comfortable. And if yeah. you manage to get that amount of money, you, after about two weeks, I think they say, it's like almost no time. You're like, yeah. you know what? I just, I just another room would be really, really useful. And, and you, it, there's no point at which, yeah. unless you do a lot of internal work, I think there's no point at which that, had, you know, you've reached where you wanted to get to, if you know what I mean. So I think it's important to whilst recognize that I'm very ambitious, you know, and, but to, you know, try and be grateful and try and be pleased with what you've got and what's going on and stuff. But, um, um, I've tailed off. I've forgotten what I was going to no, say. No, so so you you graduated. You did Cold Mountain. What else was coming yeah. your way? A lot of like you know, be be you did like Torchwood and other classic British shows. Were you doing a lot of the you know those kind of things at first? With- uh, well, it's funny. I mean, they were all really spread out. So I did a bunch of adverts, and then I you know did my first little bits of TV. You know, little little things here and there, and then you know over the course of what felt like a long time, would do. Um, I did like Murphy's Law and as you say, Torchwood and and you know, like different bits here and there. And uh you know, I would work behind bars and you know so you um, did, you had survival with, work as well. Yeah, I did, yeah. And yeah. and that's I've been fortunate in that that actually didn't go on for all that long. Um and then that was partly because we set up the theatre company and I could have a very, very meager living from that. But you know, I've always tried to live in my means. You know, if I don't have any money, I try not to spend any money and therefore um, keep myself available f- for work and for choices. But, um, but yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I, I had to do all that stuff, yeah. If it's cool with you, let's let's talk about the theatre company. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did, so where yeah, did this so idea how start? How did it start, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a real, real kind of peak of my early work that I was a massively formative experience was I worked at the globe um, in Mark Rylance's last two seasons. So I played Claudio in, so I'd started to get a bunch of, you know, more theater work. I was happy in um, death of a salesman in the role I see him in Edinburgh and um, another show in Edinburgh. I played Lord Byron. And then through that, I ended up coming to the globe anyway and played Claudio measure for measure and then the next, and, and like immediately was like, the Globe is an incredible place. And Mark is like, and um, you know, to watch him and learn from him, especially in that space, was intoxicating. So I was very, very, very keen to work there more. And then got a call to audition for Ariel. So they were doing a three-person Tempest yeah. um, where three people would play all the parts. And I auditioned for Ariel and Miranda and that lot and desperately wanted them and didn't get them. And I actually cried because I didn't get the part because I wanted to do so much. And then they had been looking for the other line of parts of Caliban and Ferdinand and Gonzalo and that and couldn't find anyone who basically came back to me. I think like they sort of, I don't know, something made them think that I'd be interesting for that anyway. So I came back and auditioned and got that part. So that was an amazing experience of spending two and a quarter hours on stage every yeah. night. We didn't leave the stage. There was no interval. The three of us, played you know as I say all the parts there was no costume changes um just having that depth of experience and how difficult it was and to you know be that close up to Mark's kind of shamanistic magic um and Tim Carroll who directed that 
his, his approach to verse and acting and Shakespeare and liveness and being with an audience yeah. and acting kind of with an audience was immensely formative. And when that experience ended, I think I had a huge come down and like really wanted to carry on that level of spontaneous kind of rigorous work. And another friend of mine that I was at drum school with, Tim Evans, he'd had a very different experience, you know, and had started his own theatre company, did a one-person show. And so we talked about, you know, should we start a theatre company? And talked for six months before doing anything about why why does the world need another theatre company, basically. Yeah. Um, so Which we is a fair about, question. I, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you talked know. about what we wanted out of it and what made us happy and what kind of made us angry about the industry and, we felt very, that it was really hard to get anywhere, get your foot in the door and, you know. To get a job, a even, so you, get. you need a miracle for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. it's a massively overcrowded yeah. industry and it can feel very, um, de, you know, dehuman, dehumanizing, dehumanizing. Yeah, and, for sure. you know, and, and, um, and cold and unfair. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's an industry, it has no feelings. Um, and there's, and merit doesn't matter, you know. It's not a meritocracy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. We wanted to create a space where we could... The first thing was that we wanted to be really, really, really challenged and get to act and like explore as much as humanly possible. Another thing is that we didn't know anything about money or weren't interested in trying to like be fundraisers. That was like, that's not our skill set. We don't want to waste our time doing that. We want to be acting. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to work with Tim Carroll. So we got together and we came up with this version of Hamlet, which he had done in Hungary, where all of the actors swapped parts and there was no, well, our version of it anyway. And like every other night or? Every, yeah. You played Scissors, Paper, Stone for who would play who. So wow. when we did Hamlet, I knew 13 parts in Hamlet by the end of it, not to begin with. We all learned like two or three parts, but by the end I knew 13 parts. And you would get audience members to play scissors, paper, stone on your behalf. And then you would start the play like 10 seconds later. That's um, so genius. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. yeah. Well, so we, we, would, we wouldn't, so because we had no money and we weren't going to try and get money, we, had, we couldn't have set, we couldn't have costume, we couldn't have props, we couldn't book a venue. Um, and we wanted tickets to be cheap. So we would do it like a flash mob in that we would release the information on the Monday and people would turn up on the sun, you know, for where the show was that Sunday. Yeah. And if there was enough people for that show, and if we made enough money, tickets were a tenner and have always been a tenner. That's as much as it. Cause then if they're a tenner, the show can be really shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're back, what you get what you pay for? <laughs> because we basically, it was all about the actors, the creative owners being on the actors. So, because we all swap parts and because of all those things, we'd play on other people's sets. We'd play in people's houses, in gardens, in clubs, in music festivals. And we made no decisions. We didn't talk about character. We didn't block the show. We didn't, um, there was no like rehearsal discussion of themes. So rehearsals were more about coaching. So we worked very, very specifically and rigorously on how to speak verse. So we all spoke verse, all had the same idea about how to speak verse. Iambic being iambic nailed, being yeah. Very, yeah. very, very, very rigorous with the iambic, which I still am. And yeah. it's very big Oh, it shows, man. I'm just, those D-dums are spot on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically it was all about risk. It was all about not having any plan. You weren't allowed to plan. Um, and essentially the, everything that we've done in the company, which is, you know, we've ended up doing, we did an improvised version of the Seagull, we did new writing, we did the Odyssey, um, 
we've done short plays and a you know full length new play. All and then I ended up directing with Beth. All of the productions almost entirely have no set or costume or props. They're all there's no blocking. The audience have a big part in the show, and it was the, the thing from the globe of acknowledging and taking into your performance the unknowable things, unplannable things that will happen. You know, when you're outside or when you're playing in the same light. There was no division between. So no fourth and, wall. No fourth wall at yeah, all. No. Yeah, so yeah. Like we would have like children. My dad played the ghost once. My uh, my nephew was four weeks old. I carried my nephew in the show. We'd have like it was profound and nuts. And like you, it really, really was on the knife edge of collapse all the time. And some aspects of the show sometimes were utterly terrible, like rubbish. Um, and then. You know, in the next second, someone would do something or like some meeting of the audience and the situation in the room that you were in and the line that was being said would be so profound that the entire audience, and this is not an exaggeration, would just immediately, and everyone in the room would immediately burst into tears. Like it was some of the best acting I've ever seen has been in, in that company. And I'm extremely proud to have been a small part of it. Yeah. That's a, and what's the name of the company? The factory. The factory. Is that is still yeah. in existence? Yes, it's factorytheatre.co.uk. Um, and it's a sort of asleep at the moment, largely because I'm <clears throat> just much busier um, yeah. and because of COVID and stuff. But yeah, we've been going almost, I guess, almost 15 years now. Yeah. And like, it's always, the idea is it's always been a sort of punk underground operation um, where we try and take massive, massive risks. And, you know, and we've all grown so much as actors because... You can tell if you're being boring uh, to a thousand people that, you know, because you've got nothing to hide behind. You've got no characterization or like costume or lights or anything. So you really um, you can't rely on elements that don't exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just you. It's just you and your imagination and you're attempting to mean the words that you're saying as if for the first time. Dude, that's incredible. I have to come to a show with this. Uh, Yeah. That's so brilliant, man. What a great idea. And Dude, I could talk to you for hours, uh, so I don't want to yeah. take up all your time. So just so for the sake of the audience, because we are here to talk about Cowboy Bebop and yes. Beth, let's just kind of briefly, so you did Suburbicon, which is like a Clooney film, and was that kind of yeah. your first American foray, would you say? Yeah, I'd say so. Certainly, the, yeah. you know, a big one with like big sexy people in it. Yeah, so I'd just done... Um, two and a half years at the Royal Shakespeare Company um, and wanted to do some film and TV and then was uh, exceptionally lucky to meet Ellen Chenoweth who cast George's stuff and all of the Cohen stuff. She came to see Henry V and got me into audition or make a tape for Suburbicon and that was a huge experience for me, like suddenly being with Matt Damon and Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaac and and George. Um yeah, really like a baptism of fire, which I from which I learned. Probably back to 20-year-old, you know, Alex being like, oh, yeah. I, I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, a lot of the task was just holding one shit together whilst yeah. sort of bring it. Um, and then, yeah, did like uh, the boys. The boys, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron and Anthony are good friends. You yeah, know? yeah, they're yeah. amazing. And, um, yeah, just sort of started to get, luckier i guess with american work and well you worked TV your ass film. off for that man you know well, I mean, thanks okay you know it's, it's readiness meets luck i think yeah i i fully agree with that and and talk to me you know where we'll get to macbeth at the end but let's mm. focus on cowboy bebop where did that 
first phone call or even your awareness of the project come to it you? It was just getting sent, um, getting sent sides for a tape to audition, yeah. Um, so, you know, it was actually in a slew of, you know, sometimes you can both feel very lucky and unlucky that you get a period of two weeks where you've got so many sort of tapes that you can yeah. barely breathe. Um, it was in one of those periods. And um, and uh, I have no idea how to play the part because I didn't have the whole script. I think I just had the sides. Anyway, so I sent two very, very different versions of the part. Did they tell you anything about it? Because sometimes I know with projects, they do a like bit, fake. Yeah, a yeah. little bit, a little bit, um, but not much. And um, yeah, we kind of went through the taping process and meeting them and there was something in me that they wanted. I still don't totally know what that is um, specifically, uh, but then it was, uh, yeah, an amazing joy to be part of it. Then I, you know, took a deep dive into the anime and watched all of the anime and the film yeah. and um, and then obviously our scripts that are absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, it was a huge ride. It was, you know, the biggest budget thing I've been part of, the kind of, I've not been in 10 episodes of something before. Um, I haven't been a big, you know, a, one of the main cast in um, an American show before. So, and it had so much support. We did like boot camp for, I think it ended up being six weeks and I had to learn how to fight with a katana sword and change my body and, you know, all of that stuff. So it was a really full on, and we were in New Zealand and it was an amazing immersive experience. And and I'm curious, man, you know, because like for Vicious, you know, we, we, you know, we're going to, everyone listening, spoilers, we're, we're yeah. talking spoilers. Yeah. So, if, you know, if you haven't listened, pause and, and, uh, you know, come back later. Yeah. But, um, you know, for Vicious Men, we, we see him as one guy, but later on in the show, we, we see a much more human, approachable Vicious. And I'm yeah. curious, you know, when you got the scripts, did you know that he kind of came from like a, you know, damaged background and, and that's kind of what led to the villainous and yeah so we i didn't have those scripts we didn't have we didn't have all of them when we started um but they had mapped out that kind of you know backstory so they definitely told me that backstory um and then i you know tried to fill in uh, it as much as i could um you know i guess the aim is always to try and make something as truthful and as full of layers you know as possible um so yeah in terms of it was really useful to think about this sort of that actually a lot of it was about love that like he had this great love for spike and potentially a more complicated kind of love for julia um and the, and the lack of love with the father you know? exactly yeah his yeah and his mother exactly i mean yeah. the mother i you know that was something that i really thought about the fact that that had happened to him and his relationship with his mother and stuff and that maybe when he was young he was a completely different sort of soft fine um sensitive person yeah. that had just that side of him crushed and humiliated to a point where he becomes this sort of toxically masculine, sadistic, dark, violent, um, violent person. Yeah. I love that you did that because it's so easy just to play one note evil, but you know, there's, there's reasons and we, people become monsters and for, for a lot of different reasons, you know what yeah. I mean? And And I'm curious for you, you know, developing this character, was it, was it something that was very arduous and took you a long time or did you, did you see him in your head and, and start to kind of flesh it out? I mean, what's your process? Yeah, I, I, it, it, it actually wasn't one of those ones where I just saw it and it clicked and I knew exactly how to do it. No, it, 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 um, it took, I did a lot of research, which ended up sort of, 
you know, not sort of being part of it, but you just sort of just feel around in the dark around something until you kind of find something to hold on to. So, you know, I, I did um, do some reading on violence and on personality disorders and on narcissism, malignant narcissism and stuff like that. Obviously the anime, you know, I really studied the anime. That was like the, you know, the main sort of focus, but yeah. Um, and then on set, we because I mean generally for my part but also generally for the show it's like trying to work out how the tone of the show because it should be really unusual it should be this unique tone yeah it's hard to so, describe it you know that's the idea yeah. yeah and that's the world it wants to live in so I would just you know and this was useful having a, fact, a background in the factory I where we didn't you know make decisions I would just play around and you know as in within parameters that I kind of you know, made sense to the idea of my character, but I would just give the editor a lot of options so that they could kind of work it out and like put the character more than I might sometimes in their hands. Wow. And and and, and I could be wrong, but was it the same showrunner from the anime show who came yeah. over? Oh, no, no, no. no they were um, consultants, but um, Andre Nemec was the showrunner. Got it. But and we had two directors. So okay. they were um, they were there the whole time, almost not quite, but um, so you know it was a, a a very collaborative thing, and there was as much of a through line in that respect as possible. And and were you guys in constant communication about just kind of how to you know do the character because it's you know like you said ten episodes and the journey yeah. that he goes on and where you see him is at different points in the show, you know. Yeah, yeah, we would try and talk about that stuff as much as possible when we could grab times. You know, so when something like that starts to roll, it's a big piece of machinery. So <clears throat> you're trying to grab the bits of time that you can, you know. Yeah. But what was fascinating about it is that I, like, didn't almost have any time with the main three, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I was... It was. I guess you don't even, other than John Cho, you don't really... Not really, I mean... Yeah, there's one bit. scene, right, with yeah, that? So yeah, so I was like... Um, a lot of my questions were like, you know, is this the same world? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was being yeah. really, really, yeah. really dark and intense. Am I in this? <laughs> like, yeah. is that like, are they doing it? Is yeah. going to work? So there was a great deal of um, trust, you know, a great deal of kind of, if, you know, if you say that this is the right direction, okay, and I would try and push myself to not necessarily just be safe. You know, I'll try yeah. and, um, I think the show should be odd and I would try and make, odd choices and then ones that were sort of more down the line so that they had those options yeah so do you feel like every take that you did was a bit different that tends to generally be how i work i'm yeah i'm not um good at i would say just repeating exactly the same thing over and over i mean i think i could probably do it if i wanted to but it's not i sort of don't see the point in terms of if you've got that take and they were happy with it probably useful unless something was wrong with the camera or right. you know whatever and they want it the same uh, to try and freshly move through something and continue to explore and continue to surprise yourself so that they have these options yeah. uh, and also so that there's that spark of life behind yeah. your eyes I think that you know that's um you know I think I could learn to potentially be more simple at times but um but uh yeah I mean, every job is different, but certainly with Vicious, it was like, we were all like, how, who is this guy? And how's it, you know, how, it's a pretty, pretty kind of, it lives on a kind of Greek tragic level. So it's sort of how, how on earth would one respond if these things were happening? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. so, so it really tried to play around. 
And did you, I mean, obviously go through extensive stunt training because I mean, you're amazing with the sword. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I did. I mean, a, a really great pleasure. It was really important to me that I wanted to do, you know, I kept saying I want to do as much of the fighting. I want to get, you know, only if I'm good enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The most yeah. important thing is that the character looks really fucking hard with the sword. Um, sorry to swear. But um, if I, you know, I would like to get good enough. And if you think I'm good enough, then I'd like to do it. So I worked very, very hard, yeah, and the stunt crew were amazing. And it was so important to the character. You know, the character is a vicious, violent killer. His name is Vicious. So for me to understand how to use the sword and feel confident in that respect, and plus it was just really, really, really good fun to fight a room of 12 people at the same time. I bet, And, and, and I'm curious, because you are in such a different world in this show's you know the budget must be insane. Are are yeah. you are you even working or seeing John and those guys, or is it two units going at the same time? Like yeah, it was, it? yeah, it was, yeah. So no, not much. No, wow. I mean, you know, we did this, we did this um, boot camp stuff together for six weeks, which was really, really helpful, really, really interesting. And then occasionally we'd meet up for rehearsals, you know, or go for drinks and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but no, no, it, it was quite. <clears throat> Which is sort of good, I guess. Yeah, it helps with the, the relationship. Sort of isolated, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was. Um, yeah, we would often like you know, as if kind of crossing in the hallway, be like, "How's it going? You all right?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you happy? Hey, that's so amazing, and I'm I'm curious, man, because you know, so many actors I know, you know, I don't want to say just American, but I think it's a uniquely universal. It, it it's awkward for fucking anyone to go up in front of a green screen and 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 react to things that are going to happen later but for you and all the amazing work you did at the factory that must have felt like nothing to you well i didn't have to do that much green screen stuff i did have to do some difficult acting to a piece of tape you know when you're doing a, a really 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 emotional sort of complex scene and the camera's right in your face and you're imagining everything from the other actor, you know, that, that, yeah. that is definitely a different skill. Um, but I didn't have to do too much green screen stuff, actually, no. Um, but yeah, It's the cool thing about the show is they do a really good job of, of mixing practical and special. I mean, oh, it's amazing, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, the design, the costume design, the music. Like the production, production design, insane. Amazing, yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and, actor, and the costume like, design, the, the vicious yeah, outfits. Did you have yeah. a little input on that? I hope. <laughs> yeah, so we tried a bunch of different versions of it. One of them, the first one was like an exact replica of the anime, and it just um it just didn't look right on a human being, you know, which is uh, understandable. Um, so we just sort of kept refining it. Um and Jane Holland just did an absolutely brilliant job. I mean, he's so sartorially elegant, but also like thuggish at the same time, and kind of looks like a gunslinger. He's like got a kind of black gunslinger outfit yeah. with like these kind of skinhead boots, um, which I can sort of nods to my Britishness a bit. And um yeah, and it's just so finely tailored and yet so sort of dark and yeah. I love that man. And and I'm so curious, you know, because obviously getting a job this big is, is is so hard and you work so hard for it. You know, do you feel like in some ways this was your ultimate film school doing 10 episodes of a show yeah. that's got no shortage of money and you're doing, like you said, acting to a piece of tape and all these things that maybe you have not done before. Yeah, massively. So I, um, I took it as that, uh, you know, and I've been doing more, having more responsibility on camera, but still sort of felt I, um, 
I had stuff to learn. I, you know, for me to feel, and I thought particularly with Vicious, I needed to feel uninhibited. You know, I needed to like do whatever sort of occurred to me to do. He should be kind of unhinged and he should be yeah. spontaneous and stuff. And the sort of person I am, I realized that for me to feel really free, I need to know the rules of the game, if you know what I mean. So for me, that meant reading tons of books about acting on screen and acting on camera and breaking yeah. down people's performances technically um, and like writing a like a no extensive notes about what was useful and what wasn't watching myself on playback, which isn't necessarily something I think I'll always want to do, but um trying to understand what you know what was translating and what wasn't and stuff yeah, like just that. Coverage and, and how it helps in yeah, some ways. And like and, if it's really, yeah. really wide or if it's really, really close and yeah. or if the camera's moving or if it's not moving. Um and those kind of aspects yeah so I, I i absolutely did take it as a learning experience yeah and i did learn an absolute ton i learned a ton about um acting on camera but also the process of collaboration in that respect you know yeah. you come from coming from a theater background and also i'm sort of quite uh i didn't exactly rebel that much when i was young so i'm kind of i worried about getting told off you know so i'm sort of like am i allowed to express my opinion about this like am i allowed to say i do or don't like that or you know so working out in that machinery when everyone really wants to you know include everyone everyone wants, has the same goal which is to make this brilliant thing but where and when to sort of hatch ideas and who to talk to about what and how to you know make these things happen was something that I I learned an absolute ton about yeah yeah you're, you're you're so brilliant in the show man and and I gotta admit you know usually these kind of shows they're not my thing but this show right. was so grounded and it was so I say this with love it was just so fucking weird and I love so dark yeah. yeah and just like yeah it, it, it's great it works like it, yeah. the, all the adjectives I would throw at it people would be like that doesn't make any sense but yeah it, it works you know yeah so the original it, anime like said you know very boldly that it was a, a genre unto itself and uh I, you know I think that's right it, it mixes in Western films, noir films, sci-fi, 70s kung a lot of noir yeah films. I see that but, yeah. yeah and um you know, and there's this light kind of Shane Blackie sort of banter with the three of them. And then there's like this really dark kind of vampiric godfathery stuff, yeah. you know, in my stuff. So, yeah, it, it it should be like nothing else that is on television. You know, that's yeah. that's that's what the hope is. And I, and I think that's come across. Well, man, you 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 fucking hit. 3,000 home runs on this show. Oh, wow, that's very cool. You're going to be shot out of a cannon, you know. I mean, I'm I'm oh, so, so excited for you, man, and, and you Thank deserve you. it so much. You're just so outstanding in everything that you've done. But this, man, it, it's – it's I'm just I'm just so proud of you, man. I don't know you, you know, we just met, but I'm just so fucking proud of you, dude. Oh, thanks. That's <laughs> yeah. lovely. That's yeah, wonderful big to hear. Yeah. Thank you. I'm curious though, you know, we'll quickly touch on Macbeth before I, I get yeah. you out of here, but uh, doing all the work you did and, and all that, any interest in directing film or TV? Yeah. Yeah. So I've directed plays and I've directed for the factory and I'm writing a film um, that I want to direct. Yeah. Well, if you, if you need, uh, you know, Confederate soldier number nine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's about awesome. the period of my life when I was doing... Uh... <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, That's yeah. awesome, man. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, obviously, I imagine, you know, Cowboy was at least six months to a year. How did Macbeth come into play? 
Well, actually, I mean, that was because of a, an unfortunate accident, but then for me, it turned out to be very fortunate. When we were filming Cowboy Bebop, John Cho, um, through a complete random accident, there was absolutely no one's fault, you know, just one of those things, um, ruptured his ACL. Um, so we were like, I don't know, we'd done all this boot camp and like we were all, you know, like poised and ready to go with shot. I can't remember if it was two months, something like that. And then we were shut down for, you know, what ended up being a year, but we didn't wow. quite know. And um, so I phoned my agent being like, oh my God, you know, like we're coming home. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they said, oh, that's interesting. I mean, you know, oh, that's, you know, I hope everything's okay. You know, I hope John's okay. Obviously and John is okay and was okay. So, um, and I've in fact since thanked him for this opportunity that unbeknownst to me, Ellen, who cast Suburbicon, uh, and I'd auditioned for Joel and Ethan for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. They were getting this Macbeth together and were interested in me making a tape for it, but my agents hadn't wanted to tell me that because I wouldn't be able to do it and they'd have known that how much oh, I would have done it. Wow. So anyway, they instantly phoned because it's quite late, you know, down the line. They instantly phoned them. I get given the script like immediately. I read it on the plane on the way home. I make a tape the day I get home and then two days later, I've basically got the part. It was wow. nuts. And yeah, you must have known the show back and forward. So 13, just, directed, yeah. just directed Macbeth. So I knew uh, I knew the whole play, yeah. And um, and then, you know, got Joel's version of it, which is utterly amazing. I mean, I mean, to work with Joel on anything, you know, I would have bitten many people's arms off, including my own. Um, yeah. But um, to get to, you know, work on something that I was in my wheelhouse currently, you know, that I could, stepping up again into a sort of, um, you know, potentially scary realm. It was very useful for me to feel that I had a background that I felt sort of um, could make me feel a bit more stable and confident. And it was it was it, 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 strange, perhaps, is the word seeing something that you know you're you're so attached to theater wise translate into film and TV, or was it was it just fascinating to watch? Or really, really fascinating. I mean, Joe's yeah. script just instantly reading the script was like this is so clever and so brilliant and so yeah. insightful and you know it, he manages to take Macbeth everything that is in Macbeth and like just screw it in even more tightly into a film he's not he doesn't sort of distract from the words and the story and the play as it were um and uh yeah so I mean it was instantly like this is ridiculously cool and then finding out who's going to be involved in it um and then the process, so we rehearsed for three weeks um, and then the process of collaborating with Joel. So my part in it, um, although Ross is in the play, uh, Joel has kind of woven this new journey for my character through the play. So I had to really collaborate with Joel to understand what his intentions were in that way and um, yeah. what his version of the character was. And he didn't really know either. Um, so that was just awesome because we got to really work together in that way. And he's so open and... Um, yeah, I mean, to watch someone like him and Fran and um, and uh, Denzel and then Bruno Debanel, the DP, well, everyone involved, in fact, yeah. involved is absolutely, you know, top draw, was just amazing. Yeah, amazing yeah. to get to collaborate with them and, 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 and really feel that they, you know, Joe sort of felt I was equal to that task. Yeah. Well, you, you deserve it and so much more, man. And, and yeah. you're such an inspiration for me, man. And I'm like I said, dude, like 
just so fucking proud of you, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, so nice. you're gonna have to come back, man. I mean, I could talk I to you for you. hours, man. You're you're such oh, a rock star. You know, you're, you're really wonderful to talk to. Yeah, man, you're, you're brilliant. You're inspiring me, man, because I'm um, I'm feeling like that that Alex, you know, that right now. But uh, I'm getting through it, man, and and I'm proud yeah. of you. And that kind of leads me into to my final question is, you know, because you know. Nobody knows when or if it's going to happen. That's what yeah. we do as an actor. The goal is yeah. to just be able to act, whether that's in yeah. a classroom, whether that's on a Joel Cohen set, whether that's in a black box theater or in a town square, we don't know or really have control over. Yeah. And yeah. while you came out of drama school and you had ideas and for all those people out there, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts on social media, but think they deserve things or think things should be easy and they're not. You know, and, and and for the people that have gone to drama school and that are really struggling right now, any words of wisdom? Yeah, I guess I have two, I suppose. One is, if you can, to make your own work or to get with other people that make their own work. Uh, so I think, you know, to sort of um, pay into your craft as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Because um, that's the only way, if you just wait all the time, to begin with, I'd say, if you just wait all the time, you're going to be sort of, you can't grow as fast, yeah. you know. Yeah. So just get stuck in, even if it's just reading stuff, even if it's just reading things with people or, um, you know, or learning, like picking apart really complicated uh, you know a, a, a part in a play or a film by yourself just to sort of keep involved I think is really important but a much bigger sort of wider thing than that which I come back to and I, I think is really important that actually I don't think the important thing is acting I think the important thing is to try and find joy and contentment and delight in your life yeah. and if that continues to mean acting if acting continues to bring you those those things enough you know balanced against all of the really difficult parts of being an actor then awesome then you know keep going and being an actor but there's absolutely it's incredibly admirable and should be encouraged that if other stuff ends up making you more happy yeah. you know and brings you more joy then it's great to do that. I think it's really a real shame that there's a lot of language around acting that is like they gave up or they failed. Yeah. Or, when in any other industry, they just did. They they were, a, yeah. you know, they were a bus driver and then they were a banker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of... Um, Evolved as no humans. Yeah. Like they were a yeah. failed bus driver. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it... Um, I think... I think attempting to find joy and delight... Um, you know, is, is more important than acting. <laughs> and it, but, you know, sometimes that can be through acting and hopefully, hopefully a lot, you know, yeah. it's certainly um, more recently, it's a lot for me, but, um, but it, yeah, I, I think wherever that leads you is the important thing. Beautiful, man. Well, well, final question. And, and I know you kind of hinted you're doing some writing, but what's next for you? Uh, I doing a, a kind of very quick, thing on a tv thing that i can't talk about um but which i'm excited about um and then i don't know yeah trying to find the time to write which is yeah. hard um and i you know i haven't written before so learning how to write is also hard yeah um 
and trying to get that off the ground at some point. And then, you know, I'm in the market for jobs like everyone else, you know, um, hoping we'll, we'll have to work together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Hoping that call um, me when the next factory is happening. Yeah, I'll exactly. find myself over. Yeah. Hoping but, uh, that, um, people like Bebop and Macbeth and that, you know, that oh, it, it, yeah. it will allow me to have more opportunities, but you know, that you never yeah. know. It's it, it is a hundred percent going to happen, and when you oh, come back for the second episode, we're going to be laughing while you're at your mansion in Cannes, and I'm sitting here. <laughs> right? I'm not that any of the materialism matters, but uh, you deserve it, man. So, oh, well, thank you. Alex, I'm so proud of you, dude. You're a rock thank star. You. Really, man. really nice to talk to you. Thanks so much. Such a fucking great talent, and yeah, I, I look forward well, to, to doing this again. I hope one day. Well, man. and thank you uh, for having such a podcast for me. Yeah, one of a, a real pleasure and a real learning experience for me is listening to podcasts like yours about actors and about acting because understanding other people's processes makes me feel I have more ownership over what is all right in my own process. A really big part of my acting experience and like outside of acting is listening to other actors and makers uh, talk about their work on uh, podcasts such as yours. So thank you. That's so sweet. I, in fact, I, I got to slip you a 20 for that. So thank you. <laughs> but dude, so much love, man. To be continued, okay? Yeah, thanks, man. Take care. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.